Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. Just one quick reminder. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Richard, the team, and their guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow his financial advice. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. What's going on, everybody? For Cryptocurrent, I'm Stephen Miller, and you're watching Cryptocurrent Live, the show where we take you through all of the latest news in cryptocurrency and the blockchain, and even more so today, the metaverse, so that you can get a little bit more up to date and get yourself a little bit more educated and uh, wise on the subjects. I'm joined today by my co-host, Richard Carthon. Richard, how you doing? Doing good. Uh, crypto's pumping. ETH is pumping, which I'm always a big fan of that. And a lot of awesome news coming out in the metaverse world, which we're going to unpack today. But how about you? Look, man, it's been a great day in crypto land per usual. Uh, a lot of really great stuff is going on in NFTs in particular. I'm still really excited about that space. Um, gas could be lower though. Oh my gosh. I would not complain. If you are um, at all involved in the Ethereum ecosystem right now, um, the typical gas line right now is about 200. And that is absurd. So um, you can thank, though, all of the people who are trading Dogecoin and dog coins and all those crap coins that are out there. Uh, they're the ones driving gas up. But we got a great show ahead. I'm going to forgive those people for now. Um, if you are new here, please understand that this is an educational show. We are simply your crypto commentators, your financial speculators, and overall metaverse jokesters, if you will. Uh, we like to mess around a little bit on this show, have a little bit more fun. Um, because the rest of our shows here, for the most part, interview-based, and we like to bring you more content like that um, on Mondays and Thursdays, where Richard brings you brand new interviews with some of the biggest names in the space. So if, again, you have just found us for the very first time, we have this kind of segmented take that we like to bring to the show. And if I can find my screen, I'll break it down a little bit for you. So we like to start out our show um, with a little segment we like to call Buy, Sell, or Hoddle, where we break down some of the latest news. And then as soon as we're done with that, we'll get into our segment called Crypto Decrypted, where we're going to break down this larger topic that you see on screen right now, which is the metaverse. And then last but not least, Richard and I bring you three coin calls each every single week. And that's how we wrap everything up. So Rich, what do you say? You want to get right into it? Let's get it, man. Awesome. This is Buy, Sell, or Hoddle. Awesome. So for our first piece of news this week, we've got scams on the rise. Rich, can you tell us a little bit about this? Oh, we try to warn all the time. And we actually, in some previous lives, talked about ways that you can protect your crypto and um, do some research before getting invested. Well, 
things came to pass. If you are familiar with the very, very, very popular Squid Games um, out on Netflix right now. Um, and if you haven't watched it yet, go do yourself a favor. It's, it's amazing. Um, the Squid Games show, this company came out and created the Squid token. Um, and they did a $2 million rug pull. So what is a rug pull? Uh, it is a way that basically the founders go in and all at the same time decide to get liquid and to sell all all that they can as quickly as possible so that basically you take all the liquidity out of a particular token because uh, what happens is when that when a large amount comes out, the liquidity that you would have on certain exchanges pretty much eviscerates. So even though you still are holding coins, they're virtually worth nothing. So that happened to some people within this and unfortunately lost their money. But an even bigger one was uh, the Anibis DAO. So they were trying to be an Olympus DAO fork, which Olympus DAO's uh, Pretty big DAO that just came out, uh, gaining a lot of traction. A lot of money is being put into it. A lot of companies are actually starting to make some strategies around how they put together their DAO. And so um, one of them was uh, Anubis. And they raised quite a bit of money. I mean, $60 million. So $60 million pretty much all overnight, gone, evaporated, eviscerated. So... This is one of the challenges still in cryptocurrency is that, and what I, we like to reemphasize very often is that you are in a very risky investment vehicle or opportunity, if you will. And even legitimate cryptocurrencies that are out there in businesses and they're, they're startups and a lot of them ultimately will fail. Doesn't mean they necessarily will go to zero. Not so much, but you might lose a significant amount of your money. Again, you're investing be willing to invest what you're willing to lose. Unfortunately, in this scenario, uh, people probably aped in um, a nice crypto term that basically means they, without really doing their own research and really understanding what's going on, someone probably told them, hey, get in this thing. They said, okay. And when put money in without really taking a moment to realize what's going on and unfortunately lost their money. So two scams. Um, this is going to make, of course, a lot of headlines. A lot of people are going to talk about how cryptos is, is, is scammy. It's not legit, blah, blah, blah. It always happens when these scams happen. But there's way too much legitimacy going on uh, for people to say that all of crypto is a scam. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. I think the one thing that was particularly interesting about this one, and you don't see this happen very often in terms of what I'm about to get into. This was one of the first times where like an actual live streamer was trading this uh, squid token and literally watched it crash to zero on stream. And it, the video has been circulating everywhere. People have been seeing like have, having it pop up on other big crypto channels. We're not going to show it here because again, we just want to be able to educate you on what exactly is going on and what you need to watch out for. But long-term, be warned, be safe, protect your downside risk and do your very best. Like, look, People are going to play that high risk game of like playing the shit coins, the dog, the dog coins, anything that's a meme token, but still protect like protect your downside. There were people that lost four hundred sixty thousand dollars at the max on the squid uh, squid game rug rug pool. So you have to just continue to be very vigilant and understanding what you're getting yourself into uh, before you get rugged. So in our next piece of news, um, we're going to get into one of the first topics around the metaverse bandwagon that we've been talking about the last couple of episodes. But the big news today comes from three major brands. 
first of which is Nike. Nike came out today. Um, the news broke that they had filed a trademark um, basically over the entire Nike brand for virtual and downloadable digital goods. So that's going to protect any basically the brand itself from infringement by like online on, online entities. So if like Richard decided that he wanted to go out today and file an NFT that bore the like the Nike logo on the shirt of one of his avatar characters, Nike could then go after Richard and the rest of the team behind that project. I would probably end up being on that team. I would probably get sued too. So we are now starting to see major brands taking these unique steps to save their overall IP. That's the first big piece. The next, the next bigger brand that's jumping in right now is Microsoft. And they're talking about how they're going to basically jump into the metaverse by deploying unique 3D avatars and virtual meeting environments through their Microsoft Teams platform. If you were at all involved in the business world during the pandemic, you probably experienced this once or twice where you have these new digital environments where you're supposed to be engaging with your team. <clears throat> and uniquely, you don't really get a long-term attention out of that. Most of the time, people will start to just drop off. They're less engaged. But there's, they did some studies and they're finding that more of these 3D avatars actually keep people engaged through meetings. So they're going to start deploying them as NFTs and issuing them to like specific... Uh, members in their own organization first to trial it. And then you're going to be able to actually get your own 3D avatar and utilize it within their Microsoft Teams um, virtual meeting environments. Pretty interesting stuff. The next really big piece comes from the brand within the decentralized space called The Sandbox. The Sandbox is a metaverse gaming platform in its own right. And just in the last couple of days, they announced that they have secured a $93 million Series B fundraise. This is enormous because of everything you heard from, from us across the last week on the whole Facebook turning to meta and then bringing in this whole metaverse narrative. A lot of big investors and a lot of big venture capitalists are starting to take this space very seriously. And if that's not made apparent by that size of a raise, let it be known that the Sandbox now has over 165 partners, including Snoop Dogg, The Walking Dead, Dead Mouse, The Smurfs, Care Bears, Animoca Brands, who literally has some of the most insane IP out there, and even um, Gordon Ramsay's Hell's Kitchen. So big brands are flooding into this space. They're taking it seriously. And we hope that you understand by the end of this episode that you should be too. Now, um, one of my favorite pieces that always ends up coming up on this show, at least in recent weeks, is we've got a little bit of breaking news. So Richard, we just got um, word that the CME group is going to be launching Micro Ether um, as an ETF. So it's going to be Micro Ether Futures. Um, ETF will be launching on December... I believe it was the 1st? Oh, no, December 6th. Um, they're right now in the middle of finalizing regulatory um, review. But that is when it is set to go live. Uh, what do you think about all so that? So that news, a lot of people got wind of it. And ETH hit... All-time highs today. Why is that? Because people are seeing this and understanding that this is the first play for institutional slash retail investors to really start making a big dent into the Ethereum ecosystem. And as more liquidity comes into the Ethereum ecosystem, which is great because it's going to make 
the price keep going up. It's also kind of bad for the ecosystem because they haven't figured out gas. Like prime example, we brought this up at the beginning of the episode. Gas right now is anywhere from $200 to $300 for a transaction. I'm going to repeat that. You have to spend two to $300 to do one transaction on the Ethereum blockchain. That is absurd. Ethereum is truly becoming only for the rich. And that sucks in a lot of ways. Great if you have it. And if you're a hodler and you're not really making a lot of transactions on it, awesome. But for your everyday investor, trader, even people that are building on top of the Ethereum ecosystem, these high gas fees are absolutely going to start turning away new resale investors. Um, because it's just the, the, the cost to attend, the cost to be in these, this, the, the Ethereum ecosystem right now is starting to become too great. It's really starting to flirt the edge of like, is this really worth it? And so it's going to start shining a light on these other ecosystems like Solana, Cosmos, et cetera, um, that are much more affordable to do transactions on. I mean, how, how do you look at this, Stephen? I see it as a massive opportunity, especially with like what you're talking about with the gas war issue. For a lot of these layer two solutions to come more into prominence, I mean, you've been probably hearing a little bit more about projects like Immutable X and Polygon, um, and even like bigger, broader topics like ZK rollups and um, Arbitrum in the in like the last couple of weeks. And the truth is, is like we need these solutions, and we need them a month and a half, two months ago, right? They cannot get here soon enough. And ETH 2.0 can't get here soon enough, right? ETH 2.0 is set to actually resolve a lot of this. So in my opinion, if I'm an Ethereum user, and I'm taking this big breaking news piece. I'm encouraged because people are starting to take it seriously in the mass adoption sense. But we need to get to these solutions faster because now that they're going to start taking it seriously, they're going to flood in. And we're not ready for that. We're just not. So I want more people to be using these platforms, but I don't want them to get like over congested. To your point, Solana, like it is fast, it is scalable, but every single network and every single layer solution right now has their own difficulties they need to work out. Um, reaching scale is going to be tough, but I think it's doable. And I think that overall for crypto, that's a really big sign. And if I'm buying, selling, or hodling on any of these stories, it's that breaking news piece. I'm going to buy more Ethereum today. So I hope that you guys enjoyed that segment um, for our buy, sell, or hodl, bringing you some of the latest news in crypto. If you did, please let us know what you think in the comments below. Otherwise, make sure that you like and subscribe and join us every week here for Cryptocurrent Live. We've got Richard's pointing at buttons Everywhere. all over the place. But uh, oh yeah, but we got all this content coming out Monday and Thursday is new new interviews. And of course, these live shows come to you every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. That will be changing soon. More on that later. But let's jump in to our next segment, which is... Where did it go? Oh, there it is. We're going to do a little Crypto Decrypted. Crypto Decrypted. All right. So for Crypto Decrypted, again, we like to break down one big topic for you every Tuesday here on Cryptocurrent Live so that we can basically continue to bring the people who are newer in this space up with some expert knowledge and otherwise break down for those of you that are, you know, have been in the space even for a year or two. Um, get you a little bit more wise on these topics that are bigger and going to be affecting the space for you know the foreseeable future. The big topic, as we mentioned earlier, 
for this episode is the metaverse. Everybody's eyes are on it since that big Facebook announcement. So we're going to take this apart a little bit. What really is the metaverse? In our first example, I want Richard to take this. Richard, talk to me about this like Ready Player One element of the metaverse. What? How does that play? So in? first off, uh, a good definition I think is by an Investopedia, and it defines metaverse as a digital intersection of social media, augmented reality, virtual reality, gaming, shopping, cryptocurrency, and actual reality. Now that is a mouthful, right? It is taking all elements of what socially brings everyone together and a lot of different social norms into one central place all at once. It's, it's uh, you know, to if, if you've ever, just to do a quick reference, if you've ever seen Futurama, the episode where they go into the internet, that is essentially the metaverse. And uh, you could probably go Google that to check it out. But like, that is essentially what's trying to be created right now. And as we look at this, there's a lot of different elements of the, the metaverse. So there's like a Ready Player One type. Uh, there's also just like a gaming aspect. So like a Decentraland, which we'll kind of get into later. But ultimately, they're trying to make this fully immersive in all of these different aspects um, in one central place. And uh, the video that recently came out, so you know, late breaking news, Facebook talked about how they changed their, are changing their names to Meta and explaining why they're changing their focus to the metaverse, it's because that's where the future is. And the technology is already headed that way. And a lot of interactions are headed to more of this VR virtual reality aspect. And for all of those who, anyone that's listening right now, if you haven't been able to have an opportunity to experience virtual reality, I'm sure a lot of you have experience um, augmented reality if you've done the Pokemon Go or some of these others where you're playing a game in like real time and then like the the virtualness is kind of coming up on your screen. The virtual reality when you're fully immersed into the environment is also just another fully immersive experience. The word that keeps coming up in metaverse is experience, experience, experience. And it's because you're literally taking all of the best experiences or hopefully better experiences of your life and putting them into one reality all at once um, in the digital world um, and actual world at the same time. So just wanted to give that full context. There's a lot of, of what we're going to take from different elements of that and start to break each of those different types of elements down. Yeah, no, and it's, it's a really good place to start because to understand it from this lens of your ability to go into the internet is a huge part of the way that you know, pop culture has defined metaverse so far. But now there's actually a second definition. And it comes from the more scientific side of things where you may have heard of like this thing called the singularity. And the singularity is a big technological breakthrough where like society is at this hypothetical point where technological growth becomes uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in unforeseen changes to human civilization. What we see with the metaverse, this new definition is that of more of like a biotech singularity in that our development is getting to the point where tech is growing so fast, the decentralized space is growing so fast, and our intersection with the digital world has sped up so much that we could start to see more of our physical world bleeding into the digital. Um, and that's a really interesting concept because you're going to start to see over time the promise of NFTs being a place to store things like title and license um, so that you can actually you know, keep your car title on you at all times. Not having to just store it in your glove box for when your car gets broken into and all of a sudden you're, you know, the person who's burglarizing your car has your home address. 
You also have like the deed to your house. That can theoretically go onto the blockchain. And we can also log the transference of those assets over time. So those things are coming. And this is part of that narrative at large is that we're getting into the virtual of it, of people going into the internet, but also the real world starting to move the physical into the digital. Um, it's really quite interesting stuff. And to give you a little bit better of a perspective, it's like as time goes on, um, we have the intellectual level and the techno- technological power that's out there in the world. Technological power continues to go up. And right now where we are is like this unique point where they're starting to truly cross. And it's becoming like a decisive thing because machine power will be surpassing brain power of human beings likely in the next two years. So as all of a sudden intellectual level of power starts skyrocketing, we start to get into this point where like people are theorizing like transhumanism and things of that. We're not going to get there today. My point is is that all of this stuff is going to force human beings and a lot of what we do today online. And that is why the metaverse is such this massive And real quick, concept. just to add to that, not again, we're not going to go down this today, but like you have people like Elon Musk who's already trying to figure out how to put neural links into your brain so that you can be able to do all kinds of stuff for like even giving people who have like some, not being able to walk or not being able to see, but being able to use some of the artificial intelligence to provide those things and add the neural links to be able to do some of this and to potentially even tap into the metaverse and all of this stuff. It's crazy because it sounds like science fiction, but it's actually being built right now. And again, we can unpack all of that at a later date. Today, we are focusing on the metaverse. So we'll stay there. So where are we at right now in this process, Richard? Like that's the big question, right? Because as we've already said, like there are different, you know, projects out there within um, crypto that are already developing on this stuff. And like you even have some centralized authorities that are doing the same right. thing. And the, e- and the easiest thing to do is for us to actually visualize this. So if you're you know listening to this right now in our in our podcast recast, I want to encourage you real quick, go over and check us out on YouTube because a lot of this we have to take visual and we don't want to like leave you out. But at the same time, it's essential that we visualize this stuff. So right now, um, and we had this graphic on the show a couple of months back. We have this timeline of like what the next ten years looks like within the crypto and NFT space. And this was put out by Punk Six Five Two Nine, who again we spoke about earlier on the show. And Six Five Two Nine operates totally totally anonymous online, but he postulates that we are currently in this phase that is like between digital collectibles and digital art. We're not yet to the point where like the blockchain has embraced gaming yet or brands, but we're moving towards that. And it's kind of like this stepping stone game. You have to have collectibles before you can have art on the blockchain. You have to have art on the blockchain before you can get to gaming because those assets have to be held and even you know be secured. And as time goes on, we build towards the metaverse. As it stands right now, we're four off of being into the metaverse. So Richard... Where exactly do you see it, I guess, from a contextual standpoint for our podcast listeners? Where is it that we are right now? And how quickly are we getting to Metaverse? Metaverse is going to take a lot of time to develop um, to where it's fully immersive and it's doing all the things that is being discussed. There's already Metaverses that are out there and they are pretty basic and um, the technology. So imagine... um, 
I don't want to go too basic and say like it's like Atari level. So if you think about gaming, think about the very first game that came out, Pong, and then to where we are now where there's freaking PS5s that's in 4K and all that kind of stuff. We are not necessarily Atari, but we're probably a couple of steps above. So we're early like games uh, that you were using little joysticks for in there and like, you know, 2D pixel. So like we are super early in the process of building out the metaverse um, ecosystem. So there are some games and some advanced that are like starting to make it a little bit more. Um, the graphics are getting a little better, but like still the basic utility and how you move around and interact with the metaverse world is still pretty primitive. Um, so again, I would say we are extremely 80, uh, extremely early. I'd say we're in like the 1980s, maybe early 1990s worth of like like gaming capacity, if you will. Yeah. I mean, to be very clear, like we are very early and you hear that said a lot in this space at large, but in the world of metaverses and NFTs and digital assets, from like the collectible standpoint, we could not be earlier. Um, and my, I think the thing that I want to get to is connecting the dots there that you were getting at, Richard. Like, what is your favorite open world game? Oof. Open... I know I'm putting you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, there's right? plenty. I mean, so World of Warcraft is always one that people uh, go back to. Um, and then another one, um, I used to play a lot of Skyrim back in the day. Yeah, so Skyrim is the example that I was kind of thinking of. But you're right on World of Warcraft because it is what people consider open world. They've built this massive landscape, right? And you can go and navigate this world. That is a primitive of metaverses and metaverse gaming. Because where people envision the metaverse going is more so like looking like that and looking like that style of gameplay. But the difference is, is as you walk into a house or you walk into a property in Skyrim, that's actually someone's property. Yeah. Right? People own that land. It's not just um, who made... Damn, I can't remember off the top of my head. I, it may be Ubisoft. I may be wrong. Um, but like wh whoever it was gaming house-wise, they built Skyrim. Those are still all their assets. You don't actually have title of ownership over any of that. Where we're headed to is the place where these games exist and the assets within the game are owned by the players. Or you are playing to earn assets or playing to earn a specific game's currency. Again, stepping stones. So you have primitive open worlds and primitive metaverses but you don't have any degree of ownership. One of the big examples we'll get to in a bit is Fortnite. So as we kind of go along this chain, just to up to Metaverse, you're going to see things like popular brands, like we talked about earlier, Nike, Microsoft, um, even bigger ones like Facebook turning to Meta now. They are all going to eventually bleed into the Metaverse and or create their own pathways into the Metaverse. Um, so all of our culture will also start to bleed in. We talked about this on the episode that we actually originally brought this up, where in the centralized world, you have Supreme as a massive streetwear brand. In the metaverse, the equivalent right now is Board Ape Yacht Club. They have their own brand and they're a premium brand within the space. So you have foundational building blocks already being placed. And across the next two years to three years, you're going to see gaming really start to explode. And gamifying the assets that are out there is the next big stepping stone to a true metaverse. So there's one other graphic that kind of does a good job of explaining where we are in the development of all this. So 
Richard, I don't know if you would agree with this, but like, does this chart exemplify where we're at right now? Or do we, are we further along than it's implying? Because it's saying right now that we're already surpassing where like digital asset exchanges have come online. And that, of course, would be like, you know, the Uniswaps and the Sushi Swaps and the one inch exchanges. We've now passed digital identity, meaning like these digital avatar projects. Are we already at value intermediaries or are we still living in this digital identity development? I'd say space? we're still in the digital identity. Uh, space. So for all those who are just listening in, the chart goes from left to right. Cryptocurrencies, digital verifications, digital assets, digital asset exchanges, digital identities, value intermediaries, smart contracts, DAOs. And it has digital identities pretty much in the middle. And I think that's a safe place to put it. I think we are flirting with value intermediaries, but I don't think we're quite there yet because with the NFT plays, with everyone coming in here, with everyone trying to figure out like, okay, how do I get an NFT, then bring it into the metaverse or bring it into one of these places um, and creating my avatar. And then like, whatever that avatar is, is that the same avatar that I want as I go into different metaverses? Or is it the same one as I go into each world? Or do I want a specific avatar for each different type of world? Like people are trying to figure out what their digital identity is going to look like. Yeah. And I I think that'll continue to expand. I mean, people are going to have greater definition to that as time goes on. And I mean, another really good example of that is what you've started to see even in the recent months, because we just got past Halloween. And a lot of these NFT projects like brought out derivatives and like doing Halloween versions of their existing avatars. Because they want you to be current. They want you to be having fun, not just with the one avatar that you purchase, but within their existing ecosystem. So digital identity is a really big piece of this. But as we start to develop more towards the metaverse, you have to have those following three pieces. Value intermediary, smart contract, and then functional DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. Once you have all that, these ingredients kind of come together to form a strong basis for a metaverse in whichever form or function they kind of come out and together with. So what really is a metaverse? Because... Richard, you and I both know that like decentralized and the sandbox are both considered metaverses in their own rights, but realistically yeah. they're games, right? The real world, the centralized world today has their own metaverses developing. And we're going to get into that in a second. But how do we get there? Like what, it, what are the projects that exist right now that build the road there? So the first, the first, the first one we need to get into... Yeah. is Superform. So tell me a little bit about what is going on and how that fits into So I'll let way. you speak to Superform. This, the two other ones I want to speak more on. Okay. Well, Superform is basically a platform for NFT development and also NFT deployment without code. So Elliot Wyman from Elio Trades is one of the heads on this project. I think he's the CEO of it. And the entire goal was to create an easier pathway for the, every man to be able to enter NFTs and create their own NFTs. Superfarm enables that, but they also have their own little hooks into the metaverse. They're developing games internally. They have launch pads to enable other um, up-and-coming projects to get their, their uh, games and their NFTs out there to then build into the greater metaverse. And they even have their own partnerships going on right now with other metaverse projects 
to help build out the overall ecosystem. Stuff like this, the launchpad plays, the NFT deployers, they are the ones that enable projects like EngineCoin. So Engine and its ecosystem are a really big deal for gaming. So I'm going to pass that one off. So what Engine is doing, which is uh, they like to tagline themselves as uh, NFTs for everyone. They are allowing you to create NFTs that can go from each of these gaming worlds. Um, So they have a ton of different NFTs that they've been able to create that are interoperable, being able to go from one blockchain to another, from one game to another. And you're able to use this NFT across all these different games. Like If you go on their website, they have a trusted buy and they show you a ton of the different um, gamings and metaverses that they're in. So it's really, really cool that you're able to take an NFT and bring it with you everywhere that you go. And then the final that we want to get into um, is Decentraland in the sandbox. And I want to spend a moment on Decentraland because I first learned about Decentraland back in 2019. One of our keynote speakers um, was Mark Frevel. He's actually on episode number 52. We have his full like keynote um, on, on the website if you want to go check that out. Also on the YouTube channel. And it was it, it opened my mind and blew my mind that one, this already existed. And I saw it as the future of, of what the world will be headed to. And he kind of described it as that as well. And it's, it's happening. And it's, it's, it's cool to see how much it's developed. And just as a complete aside, um, as soon as... Facebook announced basically that uh, Meta was coming and, and happening. You saw a lot of these different uh, Metaverse projects surge, and Decentraland was one of them. It went like three x in the last week. It's just pretty two or three x. It's, it's, it's insane. Um, so Decentraland is awesome. Highly re- recommend checking that out. It's it's a really cool experience, but another really awesome project in the in the space. Yeah. So again, Decentraland and the sandbox, especially like it's important to get your like head around this. They're built right now as games. Okay. They're places that you go and you interact with other people socially. You see the land that is currently being developed, but people make the case that like that is metaverse. That's a massive part of the metaverse and they're not wrong. But if you backtrack to engine coin, that entire ecosystem they've built through engine coin, engine starter and Infinity set the groundwork so that you can actually interoperate between these ecosystems. So they're actually empowering the metaverse. They're giving people the ability to interoperate at a heavier level, which you said, and I like that is the big, big deal of all of this. We'll keep diving into that in a bit. But the more interoperable this space this space gets, the better it's going to be long term. That's why when we move into this next topic, which is the centralized metaverses, I want you to you as the listener to kind of get your head around the fact that all of the centralized metaverse players, they don't want interoperability because they want your money. Okay. They want to keep you within their metaverse. They want to keep you within their asset house. Perfect example right off the bat that I'll give and then Richard, I'm going to let you hit on Roblox and Meta. Within Epic Games, Epic Games has already said they've got an NFT-friendly strategy going forward. They're developing it right now. They want you know players of Fortnite to be able to actually have ownership of their skins and be able to sell it and trade and like exist within their metaverse, as they're calling it, and be able to you know move those assets from one game over to the other and play with them on different you know um, in different gaming ecosystems. They want to keep you 
in their ecosystem. Yeah. Right. They don't want you to go and be like taking your Fortnite skin over to Decentraland and playing in the um, in the decentralized world. It's not their goal. So, talk to me about how some of these other centralized metaverses work and why it is that we are so positive on the decentralized metaverse over the so centralized. So, decentralized is obviously going to give a lot of more flexibility and freedom and power to the end user. The decentralized is going to be easier onboarding, easier to come in, understand what's going on, have someone hold your hand, and easier for you to spend your money within an ecosystem and get wrapped into the world. Um, why Roblox has been extremely successful, which they're on everything from you know Google and Apple stores, Amazon App Store, Xbox One, Microsoft, etc. I mean, you know how those ecosystems work. They allow you to go in, start building things, but you're going to pay to play and get like extra skins, et cetera, et cetera. And you try to like level up to show whatever, but then your world ends there. It's not like you can then take everything that you just spent your money on and then take it to another world. You know, same thing currently, uh, not to get too far off, you brought up the example of um, what's going on with um, uh, the the shooter game that like, you know, they have like the the different, they can like dance and... Fortnite. Fortnite. Same thing with Fortnite. You go on there, you spend all this money, you go to all these different worlds and like you can't take your Fortnite character and now go to Decentraland or et cetera. They want you within their world. Same thing with Meta, with Facebook. You really think Facebook is going to want you to take everything that you're doing in Facebook and go to other platforms? Like You, you know there's going to be other companies that are eventually going to come out uh, and corporations that are going to try to go and create their own metaverses and they're not going to be interoperable. Just like Steven said, um, at the end of the day, they're a business. And they want you to have an amazing experience within their metaverse and never leave. Um, so what their play is going to be is how do we make this as easy as possible, an amazing experience, and put up the blinders to the rest of the decentralized world that's out there and say that you want to be in our world because it's going to feel safer, easier, and it's going to be, quote unquote, the best. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, when we talk about Meadow, like across the last two episodes... The fact that Meta is doing what they're doing and they're moving away from Facebook and they're bringing more exposure and more eyes onto this concept of Metaverse, it's a great thing for Metaverse at large. But let's not get this twisted. They literally are doing this because they want to maintain control over you. Like they only care about having control over you. That's it. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg is not doing this for the betterment of society and all the human beings out there. Like that's not the game. The game is to continue to, com- to commercialize individuals. Um, Richard, I, I know you've heard this, but like, if it's free, then like, it's not, it's not the the asset. It's not the value. Like, you yep. are the value, right? the The platform is using you. It's using your data. It's using you as a function. There was a while ago where, where there was like this project that like you played the game and it said you were mining, right? But realistically, you playing the game was actually mining for yep. the company. That's the entire purpose. Your computation was actually providing the company more cryptocurrencies. So you were actually working for them for free, basically. So don't ever think that when like one of these centralized authorities come out, like that they're doing, they're creating a metaverse for like the betterment of society. They're doing this because they want to continue to remain relevant when metaverses actually deploy. Um, that's a really important distinction to make. So I guess the question from here is, unless there's something else that you wanted to, t- to touch on, when Metaverse? 
Like when is when is this realistically going to happen? What's next? When are we going to see this come to fruition? So the metaverse think? is already here. They're just in its prime primal form. They're still being developed. They still have a lot of legs to be built out. We're going to, in our picks in a bit, you're going to hear about a couple of different really cool projects that are out there. And a lot of them are games, um, but eventually they're going to be less of a, like a fully immersive game and just more of like a experience, uh, not to abuse that word today, but like as this continues to develop, it's going to take time. This kind of development, like this is, this is hard. This is very, very hard very technical. How do you make like the user onboarding? Because then there's there's other elements you got to start bringing into it, right? It's the hardware. There has to be hardware that comes with the software and you then have to create that and then make it in a, in a place to where it is affordable so that more people can have it. So then you have mass adoption. There's a lot of layers to this for this to be fully ro- rolled out. So I'm calling this a five to 10 year project but like before we really start to see like the true metaverse and the way that we envision it being, um, I, I, I again, I see this as being at least five to ten years out. Yeah. So look at like the one thing that you just said. And it's like really important to get at. Like, there's going to be hardware and software involved in this. It's not just exclusively software. It's not going to be you just playing with your avatar, you know, sitting at your computer and watching it go through this open world. Um, Ray in the chat pointed this out. Like VR development is going to absolutely explode because of all this. So that's not just like the development of the software side of VR. That is meaning that like Facebook's Oculus, you know, VR systems, the actual like thing that you put across your face, that's got to come like three or four or five different evolutions from where it is now to be truly viable there. Like you need to not just be sitting, you know, static in one place, like moving around with your controllers and, you know, just trying your best to be engaged and move around in the space. For it to be a real experience, because we're now beating it to death, it's an experience. You're, you don't need to like avoid that. It is really an experience. It's what this me- is meant to be. You need to be able to actually like feel yourself moving within your own space, like you're actually moving in these worlds. Uh, so it's going to be a really big deal to see how this thing develops out. I would tell you that right now, if we backtrack, I'm going to bring it back up on screen for a second. I think it's really important to get this type of timeline just absolutely ingrained in your head. And, and seriously, if you are not following Punk6529 by now, do. Because this guy is an absolute ahead of his time genius. And I hope he stays anonymous forever because he says what we need to hear. Yes, we're at the point of collectibles and art. Art blocks exists. We're seeing avatars traded everywhere. Gaming is going to happen in the next three years. Um, I'm very, very confident of that. I know that there are other people in the gaming space that will disagree with me on that. But the reality is, is that independent gaming houses are building right now. They're developing. They're big open world games. They're going to be deploying NFT projects into their worlds. You can buy land. You can sell land. You can develop on that land. That's all coming in the next three years. So by the next bull run, I expect that we're going to see that. But we're also going to start seeing brands starting to bleed over like we're already starting to get the hint of. Um, I would also probably then postulate that like we're probably six or seven, maybe even eight years out from culture. But I think to, you said 10 years yeah. to metaverse. Yeah, I would put it... I would definitely agree. We're probably 10 to 12. Um, I think at the 10-year mark, like we'll hit it. But like a lot of hacks will happen. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Right. Like we're, like we're gonna have a lot of barriers yeah. at that point. Like people will say, like, we're here, we're now, like it's happening. It is, but just like Anubis DAO from earlier, they got hacked. They thought that they were forking off of a really stable project. Not so. You see all these other projects that thought they were safe. I guarantee you, Thorchain earlier this year thought they were secure. Yep. Right? They got hacked for a ton of money. Okay? This is going to happen in the metaverse. And it's why just as importantly, you need to continue pushing your security and safety protocols further. Uh, but I think that that gives us a very, very good understanding of where we are within this timeline. Um, but that is what we've got for you on the metaverse today. If you have any other questions for us, you want to learn more about this stuff, please do us a favor. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on any of our social media platforms. We want to continue this dialogue with you. We want to make sure that we're answering your questions. So even if that means coming and joining us here on a, um, a Tuesday or a Friday evening to ask us some questions live in the chat, We'd love to field some of your questions. Um, but otherwise, feel free to leave a comment for us because we'll address it in an upcoming video. Um, again, make sure you're liking and subscribing. We really appreciate you being here. But let's jump in to this next segment, which is, as we love to do on here, talk a little bit about blockchain bets. Blockchain bets. On this week's blockchain bets, just like every week, we take you through a blue chip pick, a mid cap pick, and a micro cap pick. Um, one for each of us, and then we kind of like to weigh out who won week over week. But this week, because we've dived so much into this whole metaverse conversation um, in our Tuesday live stream, we are going to focus primarily on those projects that are touching the metaverse in some way or are directly related into the development of it. So Richard, tell me a little bit about your first pick in your Actually, prediction. Actually, Infinity, learn this name. It, it's a game in the cryptoverse, the metaverse, and it has absolutely exploded in the last year. Well, let's just go ahead and just look at the price a year ago. So when this first came out, when it first came out, it was worth roughly 15 cents. As of today, it is worth $140. Okay. So just doing some quick math, that is 100x. That is a hundred X in about a year. Just, I just want to resonate that just for a quick second. Crypto is amazing because projects like this happen and have a lot of opportunity. And when they are being built into where the future is headed, and like, I don't, I don't think this is, I think this is just the beginning. I think it has a lot more legs in here and it's going to continue to grow and prosper because what they're building and they already have a huge community. A lot of people are already engaging with it. It's a very highly engaging um, game that's already out here. And there's a reason how it ascended into the top 25 cryptos like in a year. Like that's, that is hard. That is firstly extremely hard. And like it's market cap has continued to, to prosper. So watch out for Axe Affinity, really cool game. And just games in general, they're not all going to make it, but the ones that have something special to it, have a really good team and have a really good rollout and are able to, able to build community really quickly, the opportunity and the upside on these, on these, on these, on these cryptos are just insane. And I mean, I think the one thing that's missing from that that people need to understand a little bit better is these are the projects that are doing play to earn the right way. They're doing it in such an explosive way that like 
actual like countries and populaces are able to actually have a daily job that is full-time play-to-earn gaming. You see that in the Philippines. You see that in Malaysia right now with Axie Infinity. They've created that in-real-life economy because of the way they've deployed this game. They're going to be here for a while. I don't know what their roadmap's like, but I think it's a really good pick, Rich. Um, my pick in the blue chip world this, this time around is something that you probably wouldn't expect. And I'll spell it out for why. My pick this week is Polkadot. Reason is this. Um, you heard us lean into it when we were defining metaverses earlier. And if you, you know, need to play that back, feel free to go back and rewatch it a couple of times. It's really important information. But the entire premise of Polkadot is interoperability. If these chains do not interoperate, especially when it comes to metaverse development and NFT deployment and trading and all that, the overall impact of metaverses is going to be extremely limited. And as we right now see Polkadot rolling towards um, its parachain auctions in the next coming weeks, I personally believe that one of the very first auction winners there is going to be a project brought out from Engine called Efinity. It is going to specifically like work on making NFTs interoperable. So I think it's a really big opportunity um, within um, the blue chip category. Don't sleep on Polkadot for sure, despite the fact that it has recently pumped to its all-time high. I think there's a lot of room to grow. But let's move into the mid caps. Again, mid caps are anything from the 26th position in terms of market cap down to 100. So Richard, tell me a little bit about your mid cap. Talked about earlier Decentraland. Decentraland's awesome. What they're building is really cool. You could go and buy digital land. As crazy as that sounds, two years ago, um, when Carl came on and was explaining the community and people were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for virtual land, for prime real estate in this virtual metaverse, I my mind couldn't wrap around that. And now some of those prime real estate locations are being flipped for even more money. So... Again, as you think about these virtual worlds, being able to buy virtual property, being able to build virtual homes and put your NFTs within these homes to be able to display it to all your friends and family and to do virtual events and conferences and all this other kind of stuff. The Central Land has been having that forward thinking and putting a lot of those types of experiences wrapped into this world. Um, I don't see them going away anywhere anytime soon. And again, they pumped basically 3x in the last week. So. is nothing to turn your nose up at. Um, One of the things that needs to be said is like, you got to understand guys, like while we're calling projects like Decentraland right now, we're also calling their actual land. So like, don't limit yourself to just looking into going up to Coinbase and buying some mana. Go do some diligence into what it looks like to actually be a landowner in Decentraland or being a landowner in my pick, the Sandbox. Um, These projects have assets out there that are available for purchase right now. You can go even further and it's not on my board. I'll make a comment to it later, but there are other land projects that are rising just as fast as these are, but they do not have a market cap that has them on your radar regularly. Um, So for a similar reason to why Richard likes Decentraland, I like the Sandbox. I like it more so because I think they have more partnerships already built in. Um, They had a massive, massive pump across the last three to four days as well. But I think that both of these projects have humongous legs in front of them. They're going to continue being big gainers throughout this cycle, especially as long as this trend continues and people buy into this narrative of metaverse. Um, So my pick is the sandbox in mid cap. 
let's move into the micros, the stuff where we get really into the degen casino of it all. Um, Richard, what is your micro cap? Tell us a little bit about it. All right. So my micro cap is going to be Star Atlas. It's another game that's out there. It talks about space and the universe and um, looks like it's going to be a pretty solid game. Again, if you get into the straight uh, degen market and, and why people are paying attention to it, uh, you could have got it at a little under a penny about a week ago and it got all the way up to its current price of about 14 cents. So that's a solid 14x in a week. Um, and again, it has a lot, some even more opportunity to keep going in the right direction because again, people are paying attention to metaverse games, uh, metaverse plays and games that have um, growing communities and a lot of uh, devs behind them to actualize the types of games that they're trying to make and have them be fast. So um, again, Star Atlas, another really cool opportunity to be looking at. One word of caution there is on some of these like that are specifically in gaming, be cautious of the pump because if they did recently pump, a lot of the times they do have a pullback. If you want to get an entry point to it, make sure you're buying on a pullback. Um, just really important, basic investment fundamental there. Star Atlas on release did just dumb money. Like what? They pumped something to the tune of like a thousand or two thousand X on release and then they pulled yeah. back hard. Um, so like this is another example of that. Like, yeah, Star Atlas is there. They've got a game that's functional and they're working out the bugs. But find a good entry point. Finds like do some more diligence on what a good entry point looks like. Um, my final pick, my micro cap this week. It is something that our friend Ray in the chat would probably really appreciate. It's called Render Token. What Render is all about is they are namely working on like the enablement of AR and VR deployment within the decentralized space. So when you are looking to move physical goods visually into um, the multiverse and the, and the metaverse... Sorry, I don't know why I just went full Marvel and referred <laughs> back to the multiverse. But um, it, yeah, no, don't worry about it. We're good. It never happened. So Render Token is a really big player within that in bringing VR on a blockchain. Think of it that way. It is also extremely micro cap right now. It's such a small project. Um, but because of everything that we've had going on in the last couple of weeks, Render Token is a project with just ridiculous upside. And I imagine that before the end of this cycle, it'll pump big, but I would keep my eye on it um, going forward as well. But look, that's going to wrap up our blockchain bets picks for this week. Um, if you have a pick of your own, please let us know in the in the chat or in the comments. We would love to hear from you on those picks. Make sure again that you're taking the time to like and subscribe if you liked any of our picks. Um, but otherwise, let us know if you hated some of our picks. I know that Richard probably is going to have many critics in the chat for that Axie pick, but that's just because... Um, I think that more of our listenership is in Europe than they are in Asia. So look, that's what we've got for blockchain bets this week. Um, it wouldn't be a live stream with you, Rich, unless I like I actually just got at you for something. But we've got a couple of quick announcements for you before we wrap this one up. I'm going to go ahead and take the screen away. Richard, tell me a little bit about some of these projects um, that you've featured on the podcast this week. Yep. So yesterday we had uh, Tesperen and Seaman Lepsher with... Um, Everything that's going on with LaQuality, they have a multi-chain approach to crypto wallets. Um, extremely cool. Uh, they're really trying to be smart with providing liquidity with also having equality and having access. And I think they have a really great unique approach uh, to how they're approaching that. So give that a, 
a good listen. Um, again, that released yesterday. And then coming up this Thursday, uh, we talked to Abich Singh, who is with Persistence One. And Persistence One is a really cool protocol that's allowing exposure to multiple um, asset classes. So you can do liquid staking, NFT staking, synthetics, and it's going across uh, multiple chains to be interoperable. I think this is going to be a really, really cool um, product for everyone to be more aware of. And I'm looking forward to actually utilizing it myself. No doubt. And look, as always, guys, we also bring you um, weekly content up on our blog at crypto-current.co. Um, our team up there has put out some really, really great content throughout the last um, couple of weeks. So please go up and check that out. We've got articles on types of crypto, um, how you can stake your crypto, um, and even bring you a little bit more knowledge on projects like what is an NFT or what is Dogecoin. So if you're looking to get more educated on that and you just don't want to hear us talk to you about it, do your reading, do some more research. Uh, but that is just about all we've got for you this week. I do want to take one final moment to mention the other part of Metaverse that we didn't get into. We were thinking about doing like a little bit section for calls on NFT projects and stuff like that. So Richard, I want to ask you and put you on the spot again. Do you have an NFT project to watch this week? Boonji. So it is an amazing project that I think we talked about previously, but five, five or six times, times I'm going to keep talking about it nothing, only because nothing, nothing they finally it. got revealed. They look awesome. Um, they look so cool. Uh, the first 200 people that got in are going to get a physical boonjee. Uh, every 33rd after that's going to get one. They're going to give one giant seven foot one that's worth like over half a million dollars to some random lucky person that got who minted five or more boonjees. And they have an entire roadmap that's going to just keep driving more and more value back to the owners. So uh, boonjee is going to be my NFT. But what about you? My pick this week actually has to go back to what we were talking about earlier, and that is um, the Treeverse. So Treeverse is like Sandbox and like Decentraland in that they're building out a gaming um, ecosystem and a you know, workable metaverse of their own. And they have been doing big founders plot land sales lately. I think those founder plots are selling for dirt cheap right now, considering you know the fact that the NFT market is kind of in a cold spell. So worth keeping an eye on. Those are our quick NFT picks for you. If you want to hear more about that stuff in the future, please let us know. We want to include it if you do you know, find value in it. But otherwise, guys, that's going to do it for us this week. I've been Stephen Miller. You can follow me at Steve Miller underscore PHX. He's been Richard Carthon. You can follow him at Richard Carthon on Twitter. Otherwise, you've got our handles up above. We hope you found value in this. And we will look forward to seeing you next time on another Cryptocurrent Live. Stay Cryptocurrent. Peace.